The White House acknowledges there may be Christmas shortages as the economy stagnates. Nancy Pelosi chides the media for not selling her big spending package. And the feds go to war with Florida and Texas over vaccine mandates. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, Here's the deal. You think that you need to be with one of the big carriers in order for you to have great cell phone coverage. This is untrue. You could have the same exact cell phone coverage, except without paying the big bucks. You don't have to be with Verizon or AT&T and T-Mobile because they're just spending all of your money on overhead and on those stores you never visit. Instead, why not switch over to Pure Talk USA? Pure Talk is not going to charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you killer 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of the big guys for about half the cost. The average family is saving over $800 a year. So what exactly is your excuse? I made the switch. You can too. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. You can get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And listen, if you still want unlimited data, you can get it and save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com, shop for the plan that is right for you. They have a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so you literally have nothing to lose. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro. You will save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Again, head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro and save 50% off your very first month. Okay, so first off, if you didn't come to the Daily Wire backstage last night live at the Ryman, or if you didn't watch it, you missed out. We made a bunch of big announcements here at Daily Wire. We've got a brand new show that is going to be coming out with Adam Carolla. So we're getting into the comedy. We're getting into the comedy game. We also premiered the trailer for our new movie, Shut In, which will be out early next year. We also gave you an update from Gina Carano's new film that is now filming up in Montana. So lots going on here at The Daily Wire, and we are very excited to bring all of it to you. Alrighty, so here is the latest in the news. The economy is now in a serious state of stagnation. And Joe Biden, apparently this is all according to plan. I mean, they wanted fundamental change in the economy. This is according to the White House. They wanted fundamental change in the economy. They're about to get fundamental change in the economy. Here is Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, saying that Joe Biden's agenda is to make fundamental change in the economy, which is strange because most people just want to go back to work and, you know, have a job and have food on the table and be able to buy things for less than they bought them for yesterday, but apparently not the White House. The president wants to make fundamental change in our economy, and he feels coming out of the pandemic is exactly the time to do that. And if we don't do it now, if we don't address uh, the cost of child care, to go back to Josh's question earlier, if we don't uh, address the climate crisis, if we don't ensure that universal pre-K is a reality now, uh, we're we're not going to have the same opportunity to do it for some time. This is insane. This is her saying no good crisis goes to waste. And this is a crisis entirely of the administration's own making at this point, because everybody should be back to work. See, it it is very strange how democratic logic goes. When everything is going swimmingly, now is a great time for us to restructure everything because everything is going swimmingly, right? We've got the money to do it. Everything is great. We should be able to do what we've always wanted to do and pursue utopia. And then when things go poorly, they're like, now is the greatest time ever for us to restructure this economy. And things, things are going so poorly. I mean, when are we ever going to have the opportunity to do this again? I feel like the first part of the sentence has nothing to do with the second part of the sentence. It doesn't matter what the preconditions are. Your solution is always, what if we just restructure the economy in socialistic, redistributionist, big government ways? Because that's kind of what we want to do. And we're going to use whatever is happening right now as the excuse. The thing is, the taste of the American public for completely restructuring the American economy is not there. The American public is not into this stuff and they shouldn't be into this stuff because the consequences of Joe Biden's policies are already being felt. I'll I'll be the first to admit, I was wrong. I thought that Joe Biden was going to have two years of sailing economic growth because I didn't think that even Joe Biden was capable of screwing things up this bad. Truly, if you go back to his inauguration, I said this guy is the luckiest SOB to take the office of the presidency, maybe ever, because he was taking over in the wake of a pretty unpopular president by the poll numbers. He was taking over, having control of both the Senate and the House. He was taking over with a vaccine already ready to go, already being tranched out at a million vaccines a day in the middle of a pandemic. Expectations were low. There was an artificial economic coma that the entire American economy had been put into. And all he had to do was just step back and let the vaccines roll out. And that's it. That's all he had to do. And he couldn't just do it. Instead, he had to toss money at things. He had to blow money into the economy, creating inflation. He had to encourage the vaxxed to stay home and the unvaxxed to get fired. He had to tell everybody that they 
somehow owed it to themselves not to go back to work. And we would take care of you if you didn't go back to work. And we're going to restructure the economy such that your decision making process would have no impact on whether you got a payment from the federal government. And in the course of just nine months, Joe Biden has been able to take what was the rosiest, most optimistic vision of what was going to happen to the United States post his inauguration and completely turn it on its head. Right now, the stats are devastating. Okay, and here's the in inflation rates right now. The inflation rates are out of control right now. According to the Associated Press today, inflation has now risen 5.4% from a year ago. It matches a 13-year high. That's the consumer price index rising 5.4% in September from a year ago, up slightly from August gain of 5.3%, matching the increases in June and July, excluding the food and energy categories. And they do this in order to artificially lower the inflation rate. But food and energy is where people actually spend most of their money. Core inflation rose 0.2% in September and 4% compared with a year ago. Core prices hit a three-decade high of 4.5% in June. The unexpected burst of inflation this year reflects sharply higher prices for food and energy, but also new and used cars, hotel rooms, airplane tickets, and furniture, among other goods and services. Now, they're going to try and blame everybody else. They're going to try and blame the COVID problem in Asia and, and factories and, and all of this. But what we really are seeing, and this is the big thing, is a massive shortage of labor. According to CNBC, and this is the stat that matters, Right now, there's over 10 million jobs in the United States that are open. And that means that everybody is clamoring for workers right now. And according to CNBC, people are not only not going back to work, they are dropping out of the workforce. There's only one way that you can make that possible. And that is by lying to the American people that they can stay home and we will pay for it. It turns out that to acclimate the American people to basically sitting home and waiting for the government to take care of them takes only about a year. I thought, and I think a lot of people thought that Americans would not give up their personal liberty and work initiative quite that fast. And most Americans still haven't. But a significant percentage of Americans are. A huge percentage of Americans were like, you know what? I'm kind of comfortable with this. I'm kind of comfortable with the idea that the government is just going to pay me to stay at home. How else do you explain the fact that 4.3 million people left their jobs in August? That's unbelievable. 4.3 million people left their jobs in August. How, right? Don't they have to put food on the table? The answer is they're waiting for Joe Biden to pay them. The quits rate rose to 2.9%, an increase of 242,000 from the previous month, which saw a rate of 2.7%, according to the department's job openings and labor turnover survey, according to CNBC. The rate, which is measured against total employment, is the highest in a data series that goes back to December 2000. Going all the way back to December 2000, this is the highest quit rates we have seen, right? In, in two decades, quits have been seen historically as a level of confidence from workers who feel they are secure in finding employment elsewhere. The labor dynamics have changed during the COVID-19 crisis. Workers have left their jobs because of health concerns and child care issues unique to the pandemic's circumstances. Or alternatively, workers have left their jobs not because they are deeply worried about child care. They left their job because Joe Biden is telling them that if they stay home, he is going to pay them. And Democrats are saying the same exact thing. And they are blaming the unvaxxed for all of that. A total of 892 Thousand workers in the food service and accommodation industries left their jobs. 721,000 retail workers departed, along with 534,000 in healthcare and social assistance. By the way, I would bet many of those people are the unvaxxed. I'd bet a lot of those people are unvaccinated people, particularly in the healthcare industry, who said, I would rather not, I'd rather lose my job by not getting vaxxed than take the vaccine. So the mandate probably created some of that unemployment. As job openings and hires fell in August, the quits rate hit a new series high, surging along with the rising COVID cases and likely growing concerns about working in the continuing pandemic, said Elise Gould, senior economist at the, Econ at the Economic Policy Institute. So they're going to keep blaming the idea that people are afraid to go to work because they're afraid they're going to get COVID at work. That is not true. It is not true. People are not deeply afraid they're going to get COVID at work. If they are, and they are vaxxed particularly, they're being stupid. And if they're unvaxxed, they've had every opportunity to get vaxxed at this point. If you're afraid to go back to work, that is a you problem, as I am fond of saying. Because you have all of the solutions at your fingertips. You can mask up if you'd like. You have a vaccine if you'd like. We have therapeutics now. You should not be afraid to go back to work at this point in the pandemic. And if you are, it is probably because you have been convinced by the media and by Joe Biden that number one, you will get paid even if you don't go back to work. And number two, you have something gravely to fear while Joe Biden restructures the entire economy. Employment vacancies fell slightly to 10.4 million during the month. 10.4 million. I mean, that's, that's, that's an enormous labor shortage. You wonder why there are bottlenecks right now? That's why there are bottlenecks. These stats are absolutely stunning. 
at least the Washington Post is being a little more honest about this. Eli Rosenberg says the number of people quitting their jobs has surged to record highs, pushed by a combination of factors that include Americans sensing ample opportunity and better pay elsewhere. Some 4.3 million people quit jobs in August, according to the monthly survey, about 2.9% of the workforce, according to new data released Tuesday from the Department of Labor. The phenomenon is being driven in part by workers who are less willing to endure inconvenient hours and poor compensation, quitting at this stage in the pandemic to find better opportunities elsewhere. Okay, except that the people who are quitting, many of them are not finding better jobs elsewhere. They're not taking up those 10.4 million open jobs. That's why there's still 10 million open jobs in the country. The reality is that many of them believe that if they quit, the government is going to pick up after them. The high level of people quitting their jobs is likely due in part to people leaving jobs to take other positions, but the data does not specify why people are quitting and where they're ending up. There's a lot of demand. People are seizing that opportunity and quitting their jobs, say some of the experts. But again, what we are seeing right now is that workers are feeling confident that they will be okay if they quit their jobs. And maybe that is because we sent them free money for a year. Maybe that is because the Democrats would like to spend another $5 trillion sending them free money. Maybe it's because they see that the Build Back Better agenda is really about the no work agenda for a lot of people. This is true in everything from the earned income tax credit, which really has very little to do with earned income, to the restructuring of how welfare programs work in this country, which is what happens under Joe Biden's plans. Now, the predictable result of this is when there are not enough people working, you do get price inflation. There's a shortage of product. The pipelines are broken. Right? People are not able to ship the products where they need to go. This is why you are seeing rising prices. So the same people who are being celebrated for quitting the workforce are also having trouble actually paying for all of this stuff. By the way, many of them have savings built up over the last year because the government was sending them these exorbitant checks every week to shut everything down. According to Yahoo News, steaks could soon become a champagne-like luxury thanks to the failures of the supply chains. We shouldn't have supply chain failures at this point. We really should not. There was a lot of talk about this during the pandemic, supply chain failures. Now that we are pretty much past the worst of this, there really should not be these, these concerns. However, says Bloomberg, the boss of Europe's top meat processor said, processor said beef will become a luxury like champagne because of the climate impact of producing it. Beef is not going to be super climate friendly, said Danish Crown Chief Executive Officer Scheiss Veljurs in an interview with Danish newspaper Berlingski. It will be a luxury product we eat when we want to treat ourselves. Oh, good. Also, the White House is warning of Christmas shortages. Oh, good. Oh, good. So, so it's amazing how fast this administration went from Santa Claus to the Grinch. Right? They, they went real fast from, guys, we are just going to hand you free money and everything's going to be great. We're going to build back better. They went real fast from that to, also, you're not going to be able to get toys for your kids on Christmas because, let's face it, we have jacked this economy so bad it is beyond recognition. According to Reuters, White House officials scrambling to relieve global supply bottlenecks, choking U.S. ports, highways and railways warn that Americans may face higher prices and some empty shelves this Christmas season. The supply crisis, driven in part by the global 19 pandemic, not only threatens to dampen U.S. spending at a critical time, it also poses a political risk for President Joe Biden. The White House has been trying to tackle inflation-inducing supply bottlenecks of everything from meat to semiconductors and formed a task force in June that meets weekly and named a bottleneck czar to push private sector companies to ease snarls. Wow, well, if he's, as long as you appoint a czar, man, we know that the history of czars in American federal government, wildly successful. You remember that Barack Obama had a czar for pretty much everything, and none of those czars were much more successful than the czar who was executed by the Russian Revolution. All of those czars were basically failures. Biden himself plans to meet with top executives from Walmart and Home Depot and with unions and other stakeholders on Wednesday to discuss efforts to relieve transportation bottlenecks before delivering a speech on this. Well, if he if he talks, we know that when Joe Biden talks, number one, words barely make it out of his face. But number two, the world changes in magnificent ways when Joe Biden talks, probably the entire labor shortage that we're experiencing in the country. If he just jabbers at Walmart and Home Depot, probably they'll be relieved. I know that if there's if there's one group of people who are not worried at all about the supply chain bottlenecks, it's probably Home Depot and Walmart. They're probably doing nothing. But then Joe Biden, that man, that great, glorious man, he will jump on them and he will spur them to new heights. He will, he will force them to really get enthusiastic about getting products to their customers. Because if there's one thing Joe Biden knows, it's how things ought to run, making sure that things get there on time. If there's one thing Joe Biden knows, it's how to make the trains run on time. Yeah, and if you believe that, then I, I don't know what to tell you. you uh, you're the sucker. You're the sucker. Okay, in just a second, we'll get to more of this because Joe Biden's plans are going to exacerbate all of this. Okay, things are going to get worse before they get better because Joe Biden has 
absolutely screwed the pooch. I mean, from every perceivable angle. We'll get more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about your sleep quality. So I am on the road and I'm staying at a very nice hotel. I'll be honest with you, it's a great hotel, but there's one thing that I miss more than anything else except for my family. And that, of course, is my Helix sleep mattress. Helix has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattresses great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. So, if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress you match to, the mattress comes directly to your doorship for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store. Again, they've got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you absolutely will. Helix has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Just head on over to helixsleep.com Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that gives you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Alrighty, so the consequences of Joe Biden's crappy policy are being seen pretty much everywhere. Shoppers are upset with the fact that the Dollar Tree has been raising its prices. And you know, people in the media, they laugh at this because only rubes shop at the Dollar Tree, of course. Only these, these middle class and lower class people shop. At the, I mean, the people who write your news, they go to Whole Foods, excuse me. They drive their Teslas to Whole Foods, like AOC. But if you are a, if you are like a regular person who goes to Dollar Tree and you're worried about the fact that now stuff costs more than a buck, that's just because you don't understand. We're building back better, guys. One of the last true dollar stores, Dollar Tree, is about to give in to inflation and rising shipping costs. And many longtime shoppers are not happy about it. Willa Davenport has been shopping Dollar Tree for years. We found her picking up some paper towels and some uh, birthday cards. At a time when drugstore greeting cards can cost six bucks, here there's still a dollar. As are wrapping paper and gift bags, food, home decor, even Halloween and Christmas items. I don't think it's right for them to raise the prices. You go in there to get for a dollar, then they tell you it's a dollar fifty. They're gonna change all their signs. Maybe this lady ought to start chanting, let's go, Brandon, because it's very clear who is responsible for all of this. And it ain't Dollar Tree. You think Dollar Tree is desperate to raise its prices on its customers so that they have to put the lie in the front of their store that it's the Dollar Tree? And meanwhile, over in Minneapolis, they're reporting that shoppers are going to see empty shelves on Black Friday. So you're going to go out for the sale. There ain't going to be nothing there. Holiday shoppers are already being warned to hit the stores early. Marissa Silva, a toy expert, says the industry is being hit hard by the shipping crisis. Silva says there's a delay of about six to eight weeks for a lot of toys. She also warns by Black Friday there may not be much on the store shelves. Ongoing supply chain disruptions and that microchip shortage will both cut down on inventory and drive up the costs of toys that are available. Okay, so... All of this, you can lay at the feet of the current president of the United States. The IMF, for its part, is warning of inflation and a slowing, a slowing recovery as it lowers its forecast. According to the IMF, the economic growth forecast for the United States was pared back to 6% from the 7% growth projected in July because of softening consumption and a large decline in inventory caused by supply chain bottlenecks. The IMF lowered its entire 2021 global growth forecast to 5.9% down from the 6% projected in July. Remember, there were people who were projecting that the GDP in the United States was going to grow by double digits this year. And now we're down to 6%, which is strong, but doesn't nearly make up for the fact that we completely destroyed our entire economy last year. Meanwhile, the head of the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, Rafael Bostock, he said on Tuesday that um, things are going to get worse. He says it's becoming increasingly clear that the features of this episode that is animated price pressures Mainly, the intense and widespread supply chain disruptions will not be brief. He said data from multiple sources point to these lasting longer than most initially thought. By this definition, the forces are not transitory, not transitory. Okay, well, maybe, you know, so, so maybe I'm getting this wrong. Maybe this isn't a mistake by Joe Biden. Maybe this is part of the plan. Maybe this is the feature, not the bug. Because if you look at the way that the media are reporting, for example, so many people dropping out of the labor force, instead of saying, well, this is driving up prices and it's creating supply chain bottlenecks. And it means that we are borrowing money from the future to pay people to stay out of work right now. Instead of doing all of that, so many people in the media are cheering because what this is really showing is just showing that our workers have leverage. They have leverage over their companies. They, it, this goes all the way back to last year when the irrepressible 
highly intelligent. Let me tell you, she is so smart. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, so fresh, so unbelievably face from New York. She said, this is last year, April of last year, there's a lot of talk about people getting back to work. This is when Trump was president. And she said she doesn't think people should go back to work. They shouldn't go back to work. They should use the opportunity of the government paying them to stay home to demand, quote unquote, more of their employers. There's only one problem, of course, which is that it takes two to tango. And if the employers go under because there is a stagnation that is driven by inflation, then those jobs are going to disappear. Right now, there's 10 million open jobs. But if the workers stay out of work, then eventually the prices get too high and then people stop buying things. And then you have full-scale economic stagnation. And when you pay people to stay home, then maybe it's not about leveraging their employers. Maybe it is about them having an unrealistic expectation of how the world is supposed to work. But this is the deal for Democrats. A lot of Democrats truly believe that the way you restructure work is you pay people to stay home. Only in America does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we... you know, have this discussion about going, going back or reopening. I think a lot of people should just say, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to working 70 hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. Okay. So question, who pays for all this? Really? Who pays for all this? Well, the answer for the Democrats is nobody. The answer for the Democrats is that we just keep spending. And it doesn't matter if we have no actual ability to spend more or this is going to do long-term damage to future economic prospects. The idea is that in order to rethink, reimagine work, reimagine reality, all we have to do is just wish cast it. Right? We, can, we can stay home from work pretty much forever and we can leverage our employers into paying us all $100,000 a year for a job that really on the market is probably worth $40,000 a year. We, we can do that. So long as the government just pays us to stay home and then we have leverage. So if the government artificially creates leverage and leverages private industry in order to do all this stuff and then taxes private industry to pay for all of that, then magically this aerobros of economic idiocy will somehow generate prosperity. That is, a, that is the basic idea here. And Democrats are pushing this very hard. Like I don't think that at this point, they like I, I don't think that Joe Biden sees this as a crisis. I think that Again, Jen Psaki and Joe Biden might see this as kind of an opera. It's a political crisis, but it is also an opportunity for them to reimagine, like just reimagining policing meant get rid of the cops and then let people die in the big cities. Reimagining economics means tell people not to go back to work and they shouldn't go back to work. They should never go back to their terrible employers until those employers are paying them outsized wages, driving up the prices of goods and services, forcing people to pay more, forcing people to go without. And that will somehow cure things. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First. Let's talk about the simple fact that if you have a medical problem, you really ought to get it solved. That's particularly true for a nagging medical problem like erectile dysfunction. When something is off in the bedroom, a lot of people try not to think about it. Well, what are you waiting for? Just go get it taken care of. You can do it quickly and easily at GetRoman.com slash Ben right now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all the way from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Ben. Complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and get it taken care of. Go to GetRoman.com slash Ben right now. You'll get 15 bucks off your very first month. It is really time to get your ED taken care of. Remember, get started today. You'll save 15 bucks on your first order of ED treatment. Again, that's GetRoman.com slash Ben right now. You get 15 bucks off your first month of ED treatment at GetRoman.com slash Ben. Don't let a nagging medical problem, worry you to death instead. Head on over to GetRoman.com slash Ben and get it taken care of right now. So again, the idea from the Democratic left seems to be that it is good that people aren't going back to work because finally workers have leverage. Okay, so here is the problem. The prices continue to rise because when you have shortages, too many dollars chasing too few goods, you get inflation. Right now, rises in wages that are being celebrated by the media as, wow, workers have leverage. Those rises in wages are being outpaced by inflation. So real wages are actually down at this point because those wildly increased wages are being outpaced by the price of goods and services. So who's going to make up that gap? Presumably the government is going to make up that gap. Now, where's the government going to get all that money? According to the Democrats, they're going to get it from exactly the private industries they are seeking to extract money from right now for the employees. So basically, the people who are producing in the society are not only going to be paying the people who are not producing to stay home, they're also going to be paying additional artificially high wages to people because the government is paying people to stay home. 
and they're going to be paying high additional taxes as well. No way that this is going to go wrong in any particular way. Now, this is, it's all going to go right. Now, you might think at this point that if Joe Biden had a, any semblance of political acumen, he might rethink what he is doing here. He might use what Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are doing here as an opportunity to pare back his expectations, as an opportunity not to go for broke like an idiot, but instead to say, okay, what if we did a little spending here and a little spending there, walk back that $3.5 trillion. I get to let Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema be the bad guys to the progressive base, but I get to be a hero to the progressives for fighting Manchin and Cinema, and then I get what I really want, which is some spending, but not like an unbelievable amount of spending, and maybe the economy goes back to normal. That is not what this administration is doing. They're so committed to their ideological vision of how the world should work that they're neglecting how the world actually does work. And so you got Nancy Pelosi continuing to push forward the notion that we should have trillions and trillions in spending, and they're just going to lie to you about it. Right? Democrats are, are struggling to come together on this Build Back Better agenda, and they're trying to figure out exactly how they pair things back to meet the requirements of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. And one of the things that Nancy Pelosi is pushing forward is the question of whether they need to cut full programs, which is what Manchin and Cinema want, or whether Pelosi is mostly interested in shrinking the term of the deal, right? She said that she's not going to say what proposals will be dropped from this giant boondoggle of a package, but her most, her biggest interest is in shortening the length of time the proposals will be in effect. Okay, so what that means is that instead of budgeting out $3.5 trillion over 10 years, we'll budget a trillion and a half bucks over three years, and we'll put all those programs in place, and then we'll dare the Republicans to let those programs die. Right, which is usually the Democratic game, right? Because once you get people on the heroin of government money, it is very hard to get people off the heroin of government money. People like to vote themselves money. It's just a simple fact of, of reality, which is why the government continues to grow. So Nancy Pelosi's plan is just to lie to you, right? That they're not actually going to make the package smaller. They're just going to lie to you by making the term shorter. Democrats, by the way, I mean, it really does show that Democrats want to make everybody dependent because it should not even be a battle as to whether these programs should be means tested, for example. Right, so Democrats' entire shtick is we got to help the poor, right? This is, this is their public shtick. We got to help the poor. It's the poor who are really suffering. We need redistributionist policies because the people at the bottom rungs of economic society are the ones who suffer the most. Now, the reality is in the United States, we spend an awful lot of money on the people in the bottom quintile. We do. Our, our social services are extremely expensive. Tens of thousands of dollars per family are spent every year by the federal and state governments on people who are at the bottom level of the economic, of the economic ladder. That is just, forget all of the propaganda about how we leave the poor to die in the United States. We absolutely do not. We have a very solid social safety net system. It is very large. We spend an awful lot of money. It is, it is in fact, comparable to many Western European countries in terms of how much we spend. We are not a full-scale, gung-ho, capitalist, don't-take-care-of-the-poor country. We are a, a capitalist country with a very strong social safety net, which has been built up over many years, has not done nearly what it was promised to do. But that is the, re and so, but here's the thing. Democrats aren't even telling the truth. Okay, because when they say they want to help the poor, what they really mean is they want to make more people up to and including middle class and upper middle class people more dependent on government programs. It is an ideological goal to have the government take the place of private initiative in American life, which is why there's a debate right now among Democrats over means testing many programs. Now, means testing just means that if you are richer and you can afford something, the government won't pay for it. And if you are poorer and, the, and, and you can't afford something, the government will help you pay for it. Now, you would think, okay, that's at least according to Democratic lights, Logical, right? I mean, I thought that was the whole shtick is that we're trying to help people who are poor. But Democrats are debating this because, again, the real goal is not to help the poor. The real goal is how many people can we get hooked on our government programs so then they vote for us in the future? According to the Wall Street Journal, choosing which Americans should be eligible for benefits in a proposed expansion of the social safety net is one of the main challenges vexing Democrats who are attempting to slim down their health care, education, child care and climate bill in the coming weeks. On one side of the debate over means testing are Democrats like Senator Joe Manchin, who wants to target the government aid to low-income Americans, arguing that narrowing eligibility for the programs to those most in need will be a cheaper and more efficient use of taxpayer funds. On the other side are both progressive and centrist Democrats who want to make programs like subsidized childcare, free preschool, and two years of free community college available to Americans up and down the income ladder. Invoking the legacies of Social Security and Medicare, each decades old and broadly available to Americans, these Democrats view universal programs as both more effective at helping Americans in need and better at winning enduring political support. And that last part of the sentence is the part that matters, because here's the thing. If you make these programs available to the poor, then the rest of the population might have an interest every so often in looking in and seeing on what, what the programs work. Maybe we should shift them. But 
if you just helicopter cash to everybody, then everybody goes, oh, I'm going to vote for the helicopter cash too. One thing this article does not note is that Medicare and Social Security have essentially been bankrupt for years and will continue to be bankrupt as the, con- as the country gets older because they are giant Ponzi schemes, essentially. Pelosi has not indicated where she stands on income eligibility. She said this week, Democrats could pare back the number of programs while also looking at reducing the number of years funded to bring down the price of the bill. She said mostly we'd be cutting back on years and something like that. Again, it's all gamesmanship, but this is all about electoral. They, they want the massive shift in how Americans think of the government. If you think Democrats hated the last year, Democrats have loved the last year. It is their favorite thing that has ever happened in the history of mankind. It is great. The government came in and they pay, they shut down every private business in the country, essentially. And everybody who's a keyboard warrior got to stay home and work in the safety of their own homes. Everybody else became a ward of the government. Democrats are like, how do we prolong this? How do we make this happen? And for everybody else who has not bought into the newfangled democratic line that work is bad and that everybody must be freed of the burdens of work in order so we can all become pottery artists and painters and poets. People who don't buy into that are like, why don't you just let things go back to the way that they were? And Democrats say, nope, got to build back better. So this has led to the bizarre spectacle of Nancy Pelosi claiming that this bill, which is not like Americans are not up for this. They are not. If you ask Americans, would you like free money in polls? They will say yes. If you ask Americans whether they are ready to take on trillions of dollars more more in costs and incentivize people not to work in the middle of an inflationary spiral and a stagnating economy, most Americans are not up for it. But Nancy Pelosi, uh, she gives away the game here. Uh, So she says a couple of things that are really incredible. She did a press conference yesterday. First, she says, Americans support the bill even if they say they don't, which is a hell of a take on public opinion. Here's Nancy Pelosi. One of the things in the bill is the continuation of the Biden tax credit that is child tax credit that is in the um, was in the rescue package that has great appeal. Do people know where it it springs from? No, but it is a a vast bill. It has a lot in it and we'll have to continue to make sure the public does. But whether they know it or not, they overwhelmingly support it. Whether Whether they know what's in the bill or not. Then they, they support, which, which goes really well with her old-fashioned statement about Obamacare that we'll have to pass it to know what's in it. Right? That, I, I'm, I'm sensing a pattern here, which is that so long as she can be completely opaque about what exactly she's about to do to the American people, she can do whatever she wants and then declare that the general, the Rousseauian general will has somehow empowered her to do these things. By the way, she is going to get a, it's going to be hard for her next year when she's in the minority in the House again because of all of this sort of stuff. Okay, then she's very angry because she says, yeah, well, it, members of the press are like, well, it's not that popular. A lot of Americans are having doubts about this. Like, it, like you're, you're really not making a, a strong case for this bill. And Nancy Pelosi's like, why don't you make a case for the bill? Now, this really gives away the game because the way Democrats view the press is as their lackeys. The, the press are just the Democratic PR operatives. And Nancy Pelosi basically just says that. She's like, go do your job. Here she goes. Dentures are clacking. Only about 10 percent of Americans describe themselves as knowing a lot of specific things that are in the reconciliation package and that the majority don't know anything at all. So do you think you need to do a better job at messaging and going forward? How do you sell this if ultimately you have to? Well, I think you all could do a better job of selling it, to be very frank with you, because every time I come here, I go through the list. Family and medical leave, climate, uh, the the issues that are in there. Um, You could do a better job of selling it. Maybe the American people aren't deeply worried right now about climate change, which might affect the the GDP of the globe by a slight percentage over the course of a century. Maybe they're more worried about the fact that they're having trouble buying a house, that they're having trouble paying rent, that they're having trouble putting food on the table or paying their gas bill. Maybe that's what Americans are most concerned about right now. And it's your job to sell it and you suck at your job. And so you're blaming your PR machine. Uh, I do love that Democrats just assume that it's the press's job to sell their garbage. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi is pushing forward the idea that there should be no debt limit. The House is trying to raise the debt limit again uh, because, of course, debt doesn't matter because money's imaginary to these people anyway. And seriously, how many of these Democratic leaders have ever run a business, like actually run a business? I know that that's become a passe question since the Mitt Romney days, but it turns out that running a business is kind of hard and that you actually have to have some know-how to do it. And yet Democrats think that not only should they be running a business, they should be running your business. Here is Nancy Pelosi saying that, you know, the, the debt limit getting let's just get rid of it because we, we don't need responsibility. There are all kinds of um, suggestions that members have. One that really was endorsed a while back by Mitch McConnell. But who knows that, you know, who knows? 
but it was to to um, the, the manifestation of it now, Mr. Yarmouth and Mr. Um, Boyle have put forth, puts the responsibility on the Secretary of the Treasury to make the determination to lift the debt ceiling. That decision could be overruled by the Congress. Are you in favor of that idea? I think it has merit. Yes, I do think it has merit. Of course she thinks it has merit, because anything that relieves Congress of the responsibility of hemming in its spending has merit, according to Nancy Pelosi. And if you think this isn't going to be intrusive for you, it is going to be intrusive. All of this is going to be intrusive. It is all about controlling your life. It's all about control. But don't worry. If you give them ultimate, this is just like COVID. If you give them ultimate power, they'll fix all your problems. They'll hit that magic government button, and then all of your problems will be solved. You can stay home. You'll never have to go to work. All you have to do is just sit at home and wait for the government checks to arrive, and the government will take care of all your needs. Now, all they're going to need in return is for you to just give them pretty much everything. Access to all your records. You're going to need to give them access to pretty much all of your life decisions. They're going to have to control how you educate your kids. They're going to have to control how you take money out of the bank. One of the provisions of this bill is that the IRS is going to be able to essentially audit any transaction from a bank over $600. If you take 600 bucks out of the bank, the IRS is going to be staffed up so that they can check into every transaction you do over $600 in the United States, which is unbelievable. Here is Nancy Pelosi being very enthusiastic about it. She says, absolutely, we need to keep that. It's, cr- it's crucial we keep that. Um, so Americans are starting to worry about this. Do you think that this pay for of, of giving the IRS more money to crack down on unpaid taxes is going to stay in the reconciliation? Yes. Or what do you say yes. to Americans yes. who are concerned yes. about that? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so why? Why? Well, the answer is control. Now, the excuse they're making for why they need to audit your $600 withdrawals from the bank is because they're going after billionaires, which is just ridiculous on its face. So Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, she literally said this. Here she was explaining that the reason they need to audit $600 transactions from banks is to stop the billionaires from being tax frauds. You want banks to report transactions of $600 or more. That's what the IRS wants. Does this mean that the government is trying to peek into our pocketbooks if you want to look at $600 transactions? Absolutely not. I think this proposal has been seriously mischaracterized. If somebody reports an income of $10,000 and they had $3 million um, go out of their checking account, that tells the IRS that's that's an individual you might audit. Okay, um, I just have a question. If you really think this is about billionaires, you're out of your damned mind. This is crazy talk. Okay, Janet Yellen says there, there's a lot of tax fraud and cheating that is going on. And the tax fraud and cheating is happening at the $600 level. And that we have to hold billionaires accountable. Let me just say this. If you somehow become a billionaire by withdrawing money from the bank $600 at a time, you know, amazing job. Because that would only take 1,666,666 transactions to make a billionaire. Literally about 190 transactions uh, an hour, something on that order for a year, then you'd be a billionaire. So probably, yeah, she's cracking down on billionaires. That has nothing to do with monitoring your individual. No, no, no. They would never do that. They would never do that. They're not trying to control your life at all. Meanwhile, speaking of trying to control your life, we'll get to Joe Biden and the big COVID battle that is breaking out right now. First, I am thrilled to announce an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. And this makes a lot of sense for you right now, considering the spiking gas prices. The service is called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. You just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. You use promo code Shapiro and you get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That is up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. So you download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro. You get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank of gas. It's a lot of money considering how expensive gas is right now. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to 300 bucks a month in cash back. There's no catch. The cash back gets added directly to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Shapiro to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. That is code Shapiro. There's never been a better time to save on gas than right now. Go check them out right now. Get that GetUpside app and use promo code Shapiro to get 50 cents a gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. Alrighty. If you didn't catch backstage last night, you missed the melodic Smokey Mike and the God King. And, um, so congratulations to you. But actually, the show was really good. And, and more than that, 
you didn't hear all of our exciting news. As I mentioned before, we have many new projects in the pipeline that are going to change the way you stream. Here at The Daily Wire, we recognize the important role that entertainment plays in our world. We have been working overtime to make sure that we are bringing you the non-woke content you can't find literally anywhere else. So we've got a brand new comedy series we are bringing you featuring none other than Adam Carolla. And we've got our brand new film starring the fearless Gina Carano. It's titled Terror on the Prairie. It's currently in production in Montana. And last but definitely not least, we're dropping the teaser trailer for Shut In, our first original production. It's a great movie. The script is fantastic. It's a 60-second look into a thriller you're not going to want to miss. We seriously cannot wait to share the final product with you, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for updates on their release dates. You are listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. One of the ways that Joe Biden is crimping the economy, obviously, is keeping the COVID pandemic alive. Now, I can't say this enough. I really cannot say this enough. On an individual level, you now have the ability to prevent yourself from dying from COVID. You can get a vaccine. The vaccines are very effective. Forget all of the propaganda that you're hearing from many people on the right and many people on the left. The reality is the vaccines do prevent people from getting hospitalized and dying. And when we talk about antibodies waning, I got a question about this this morning from a staffer, actually. When we talk about antibodies waning from, for example, the Pfizer vaccine, that does not mean that you are now in exactly the same risk situation you were before you took the Pfizer vaccine. It just means you might get a breakthrough infection because the way antibodies work is your body generates them when there is live virus in your body. When the virus goes away, the antibodies go away. But you still have T cell and B cell memory, which means your body remembers how to fight the virus if you get a breakthrough infection, which is why if you get a Pfizer vaccine and then you get a breakthrough infection, the infection is really mild as opposed to what it might have been had you not had the Pfizer vaccine. Okay, that said, if you get vaxxed, you're good to go. If you're not vaxxed, you've chosen not to be vaxxed. If you choose not to be vaxxed and you want to wear a KN95, you can get those pretty much everywhere at this point. So for all intents and purposes, we are done now. But Joe Biden cannot let go of this. The reason he cannot let go of this is because he set a standard. The Democrats set a standard. Okay, this is tied into their entire economic program as well. The standard is they were not only going to build back better, they're building back better was going to be about the magic button. It's all that magic government button. If you hit it, everything is solved. Joe Biden promised he was going to solve COVID. And yet, there are still people who have COVID. It turns out the government cannot eviscerate disease. Disease will always be with us. Government cannot eviscerate poverty. Poverty will always be with us. Doesn't mean there aren't things you can do to mitigate. But in the end, government cannot solve overwhelming problems that just exist in humanity. Government can't solve death. Government can't solve many of the things that make life risky. Government cannot do all those things. But Joe Biden came into office promising he would do all of those things. And now when it turns out that what he really needs to do is say the same thing that Trump said last year, which is we need to learn to live with the virus. We need to go back to our regular lives and just deal with it. Instead of Joe Biden saying that, and he can't do it. He literally can't do it because he ran against Trump saying it last year. Now Joe Biden is stuck in the situation of having to say, well, if if I were, if only, if only the unvaxxed would do what I say, It's, it's, it's not me. It's not my fault. It's not my fault for making a stupid promise that I never could have kept. It's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. It's everyone else's fault. And so what I'm going to use, I'm going to use the mass power of the federal government to cram down my vision of what should happen with vaccines. Now, he knows that that is not going to solve the problem. He knows that. And for all the people who are like, no, he thinks that the vaccine mandates, he he knows the vaccine mandates aren't going to solve a damn thing. He knows that because people are quitting. He knows that because large swaths of the country are not going to comply. He knows that because when he does this, he actually makes people less likely to comply. Right? The people who are the hardest core of the vaccine, and the anti-vax folks, those folks are not going to be convinced by a doddering senile old man yelling at them that they might lose their jobs. Instead, they're just going to turn it into a liberty issue. Right? They, because it, at that point, it does become a liberty issue. And the vaccines didn't have to be a liberty issue. They could have just been a science issue. And then you choose to take them or you choose not to take them, but your liberty has not been infringed. But once Joe Biden starts mandating at every level he can that you must take the vaccine, this doesn't become a science issue anymore. It now becomes a liberty issue. And once you make it a liberty issue, people see virtue in not being vaxxed. So more people are going to not vax at this point. And the predictable result of this, of course, is that you will get more infections. You'll get some more death. Now, I I will note it is incredible to see Michigan, which has a lower vaccination rate than Florida, is currently having 10,000 cases of COVID a day. Yeah, they're, they're in the middle of a bit of a COVID spike. It's going to get worse as the winter goes on because people go indoors. When people go indoors, they breathe on each other and then COVID gets spread. Watch for it in the Northeast this winter. Right now, it is still nice and warm in most parts of the Northeast. The weather in New York right now is in the 60s and 70s this week, all the way up to the near 80s. You have to wait for the weather in New York to drop to the 30s and the 40s, and then people start going indoors, and then you're going to see a bit of a COVID spike because that's just how this works. 
Okay, but put aside the fact that the media are utterly unconcerned by blue states that have COVID spikes. That, that doesn't matter to them. Right? That's why we got a lot of coverage of Florida, but not Louisiana, even though Louisiana was suffering a per capita problem that was worse than Florida's. Okay, the, the real problem here for Joe Biden is that the American people don't trust him on this issue anymore. According to a new Axios Ipsos poll released on Tuesday, only 42% of Americans trust the president a great deal or a fair amount on providing accurate information on the virus. That is a 16-point decline from the inauguration. According to Cliff Young, president of Ipsos U.S. Public Affairs, he's basically, he's basically losing the expectations game. Once the Delta variant raised its ugly head, it affected people's lives. Now they're adjusting their expectations, which is not good for him. Now, the reality is that the expectations that he set were never accurate, but he has to blame somebody. He must. And this is why Joe Biden and the White House are cramming down these vaccine mandates. And that is having downstream economic effects. Because again, the only reason to issue vaccine mandates is because you are implying that the vaccines are not, in fact, protective. So you need to mandate the unvaxxed get it to protect the vaxxed. So you're telling the, the vaxxed that they're unsafe. You're telling the unvaxxed you are going to come to their house and inject them in the arm, basically. And people are going to resist that. And then people don't go back to work. So the problem becomes worse. But Joe Biden gets to pretend that it's everybody else's fault. And th this is what is happening right now is this name and shame and go after everybody else to avoid the simple fact that Joe Biden is an incompetent rube who sucks at his job and is barely somnambulant. The man can barely sleepwalk. That's that's where we are. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear is the best. I've been talking about this for years. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out. I took all the other underwear I had. I threw them out. I only wear Tommy John's. Tommy John's stylish and soft second skin underwear has dozens of comfort innovations, like a supportable contour pouch, a breathable light wick, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so speaking of the vaccine mandates, here is the current status. So the OSHA rule has now apparently been submitted to the Office of Management and Budget. This is the famous OSHA rule that is going to mandate that all companies with over 100 employees have to either vax the people who work for them or test them weekly. That has now been submitted to the OMB. The OMB has not made that rule public at this point. So we don't know where the holes in it are. We can't have our lawyers who are waiting on standby, ready to go to appeal this to a court like as fast as humanly possible. They can't do anything yet because the rule has neither been released nor finalized at this point. But the Democrats have a problem when it comes to this rule. The biggest problem is how the hell are you going to enforce it? You have hundreds of thousands of businesses in the United States, tens of thousands of businesses with over 100 employees. How do you even enforce something like this? According to NBC News, businesses not in compliance with the mandate could face fines from the government. But OSHA, which doesn't have the staff for this, will likely rely on voluntary compliance, focusing its resources on repeat offenders. Now, we know that they're probably going to come audit us, obviously, because we've been very public about the fact that we have no intent of complying with this unconstitutional mandate, this violation of liberty. But for a lot of other businesses, that ain't going to happen. So the real point here is to make the rule. The real point is this is Joe Biden just signaling to his base, who are disproportionately vaxxed, that he is a good man who is trying to do what they want him to do. Now, here's the thing. People who are vaxxed, if you're worried about whether your neighbor is vaxxed, you're doing it wrong. They're not protected. End of story. There's still not a good excuse for why you are super upset with your neighbor for being unvaxxed and being in the same room as you. That's just the reality. But it's not about solving the problem. It's never about solving the problem. It's always about the future agenda. It's, all the, it's always about the thing that's behind what they are saying it's about. Okay, for the Biden administration, it's not about making the economy stronger. It's about completely reshifting the way that we do economics in this country to make people dependent on government. When it comes to COVID, it is not about solving the problem by more people being vaxxed, which would require you to actually have conversations with the unvaxxed, maybe take into account natural immunity, which this administration steadfastly refuses to do. It's not about any of that. It's about signaling to his base that he's doing his best and it's just those other guys who are the bad guys. I mean, how stupid are some of these, these mandates from the Biden administration? 
So Biden does have the OSHA rule, which is private companies. But then he also has one rule that's in effect right now, which applies to federal contractors. So any company that is a federal contractor already has a VAX mandate. Here is how stupid this rule is. According to the saferfederalworkforce.gov plan, Biden's federal contractor VAX order applies to people who work 100% from home. I'm not kidding you. You work in your own house and your company, if it contracts with the federal government, must VAX you or test you. Quote, an individual working on a covered contract from their residence is a covered contractor employee and must comply with the vaccination requirement for covered contractor employees, even if the employee never works at either a covered contractor workplace or a federal workplace during the performance of the contract. A covered contractor employee's residence is not a covered contractor workplace. So while in the residence, the individual need not comply with requirements for covered contractor workplaces, including relating to masking and physical distancing, even while working on a covered contract. So in other words, if you're in your own house, the federal government will be kind enough to let you not mask in your own home, but you still have to be either vaxxed or tested every week to comply with the mandate and for a company to comply with the mandate. And meanwhile, the Southwest CEO, right? Southwest has been plagued by massive flight cancellations. They keep saying it's the weather or alternative issues. We all know what this is. Okay, we're all talking to people who work for Southwest. People are sicking out. They're saying that they're not going to comply with the VAX mandate. Right now, Southwest is because they, they do some work with the federal government. They're a federal contractor, which means that the deadline for them to comply with the VAX mandate is early November, early December. And they are suffering some pretty significant blowback from both the, the union of Southwest employees and also from just employees generally. The Southwest CEO admitted yesterday, yeah, it really is Joe Biden. We didn't want to do this airline mandate because we don't think it's necessary, but Joe Biden is pushing us, so we have to. As I think you probably know, I've never been uh, in favor of corporations imposing that kind of a mandate. I'm not in favor of that, never have been. Uh, but the executive order from President Biden mandates that all federal employees and then all federal contractors, which covers... Uh, all the major airlines uh, have to have a mandate in pl- a vaccine in place by December the 8th. So we're working through that. Okay, so, you know, it, it's funny how the current Southwest cancellations have nothing to do with the Biden mandate, but pretty much that's all anybody is talking about is the Biden mandate. Okay, so this has come to a head in the states of Texas and Florida. So Florida and so Texas has now basically issued a law saying that private businesses are not going to be able to mandate that their employees get vaxxed or tested. Now, here's my view of this. Private businesses can do what they want because this is still a free country. If you are dumb enough to mandate that your employees get vaxxed, your problem, and those employees are perfectly welcome to walk across the street and find someplace else to work. The state should not be telling private employers what to do on a general level. I don't believe that private employers have to bake the cake. I don't believe that private employers have to comply with vax mandates. And I don't believe that private employers should be forced not to vax mandate. Right. Private employers are private employers. With that said, I don't think that the federal government should be doing this either. So now you have these companies who are sort of trapped in between because the federal government was stupid enough to try and push these vax mandates. And now Texas is saying, we'll find you if you do do the max mandates. So what do you do? Right. If you are an employer in the city, in, in the state of Texas, do you comply with the feds or do you comply with the state? Which one do you do? This is the current dilemma. According to the AP, The dust-up will almost certainly end up in court since GOP attorneys general in nearly half of states have vowed to sue once the OSHA rule is enforced. The details are still unannounced. More conservative justices are on the bench. Of course, the outcome isn't entire. I love that the media keep trying to claim that the courts have long upheld vaccine mandates. Yes, from states, not from the federal government and not via OSHA emergency rules. Okay, but again, this is not about making things better for this administration. This is not what it's about posing. Here's Jen Psaki from the White House explaining that they are going to implement these mandates across the country. When the president announced um, his vaccine uh, mandates for businesses that, of course, we're waiting on OSHA regulations for as a next step, um, that was pursuant to federal law and the implementation of federal law because it's an executive order. So our intention is to implement and continue to work to implement these requirements across the country, including in the states where there are attempts to oppose them. Okay, meanwhile, she, of course, is attacking Texas and Florida and suggesting they're putting politics ahead of public health, which is an incredible statement from an, from an administration that has shifted its opinion on every major area of this pandemic and openly admits it's using the pandemic in order to push forward political policies on climate change and health care. Here's Jen Psaki. 
going after Texas. Again, this administration is far more angry at Texas and Florida and people who defy their unconstitutional mandates than they are at, for example, the Chinese government that unleashed this virus or than they are at people who continue to violate the liberties of individual American citizens. It's pretty incredible. Here's Jen Psaki. Governor Abbott's executive order uh, banning mandates. And I would also note announcement by Governor DeSantis this morning, essentially banning the implementation of mandates, uh, fit a familiar pattern uh, that we've seen of putting politics ahead of public health. Over 700,000 American lives have been lost due to COVID-19, including more than 56,000 in Florida and over 68,000 in Texas. And every leader should be focused on supporting efforts to save lives and end the pandemic. I noticed that uh, when she did her little litany of how many people have died from coronavirus in particular states, she didn't do the age-adjusted stats on per capita deaths per state. I noticed she didn't do that. It, it turns out there are a lot of people who live in Texas. It turns out that there are just a ton of people who live in Florida. Right? These are very, very populous states. But I did notice that she uh, she was not citing the actual number of total deaths by state. Because if she did, she might have to mention that number one is California, which has 70,000 deaths. Or that number four is New York, which has 56,000 deaths. Or that the following states are Pennsylvania, Illinois, and New Jersey, which have 30,000, 28,000, and 27,000 deaths. And she's only going to cite the, the evil, evil, terrible, no good, very bad states of Texas and Florida, which defy the federal government. And what is this going to turn into? It's going to turn into spy on your neighbor. That is the next move. According to NBC News, President Joe Biden says his sweeping COVID-19 vaccination and testing mandate will boost the economy and save lives. But as businesses prepare for the new requirement, they're wondering not only what will be in the regulation, but how it will be enforced. The mandate, which will apply to organizations with at least 100 employees and cover an estimated 80 million workers, has already drawn threats of lawsuits from two dozen Republican attorneys general and prompted some people to vow to quit their jobs. The OSHA was already expected, was already handling a broad mission prior to the new rule. To stretch its resources, the agency typically prioritizes high-risk industries and targets repeat offenders. But OSHA only has 862 inspectors in early 2020. So you're talking about 80 million employees that have to be audited by 862 inspectors. Experts say the agency's small size relative to its responsibilities means it cannot enforce the rule by deploying a large number of inspectors. While OSHA is now hiring, training takes time. David Michaels, who ran OSHA for seven years, says he doesn't think these new inspectors will be out in the field anytime soon. According to former OSHA senior policy advisor Debbie Berkowitz, quote, it would take 160 years for OSHA to get into every workplace just once. It's an understaffed, under-resourced agency to begin with. So, according to one of these experts, OSHA is going to tell employers they have to make sure potentially infectious workers don't enter the workplace, and they can do that in a number of different ways. That includes regular testing and close tracking of worker compliance by businesses or even work from home requirements. If businesses don't abide by the regulation, OSHA will have some levers. They can impose heavy fines, publicize to workers that they can complain if their employer is not complying, and they can do spot inspections. But a key aspect of enforcing this requirement, differentiating it from some other OSHA regulations, will be the reaction of employees at risk of catching COVID in the workplace, who will serve as a force multiplier, experts say. Lawrence Gostin, professor of public health at Johns Hopkins, says, quote, the vast majority of employees want everyone to be vaccinated. It's only a small but vocal minority who don't. What you have to do is capture the attention of the silent majority and have them blow the whistle on any employer. Encouraging whistleblowing is an extraordinarily important part of it, he said, adding that OSHA doesn't have to set foot inside most employers. For a minority of businesses that don't comply, OSHA could publicize the consequences. They'll issue big fines. They'll issue press releases, which will embarrass some employers while sending a message to others. So the basic idea here is naming and shaming. Naming and shaming all the people who refuse to abide. Okay, the goal of that is not going to be to get people vaccinated. The goal of that is to create an enemies list for this administration as per their usual arrangement. That enemies list will now include businesses that refuse to fire their employees who don't want to vaccinate. That enemies list includes the domestic terrorist parents who call out school boards. That enemies list is anybody, basically, who opposes the top-down command and control notions pushed by the Democratic establishment here. And then they wonder why the economy is going south. Keep pushing, guys. We'll see how it works out for you. It is a bold plan indeed. Now, if you if you want to stick to this ideology, if you want to stick to the notion that you are capable of fixing everything and it's just your enemies who are in the way, uh, then watch while your enemies multiply because 
That is going to be the predictable result, as well it should be in a free country. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show. That is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire 2021. Superman gets a little light in the loafers. The Italian people chant, Let's go a Brandon, or actually a little bit of a tougher variation thereof on the streets of Rome. And Rolling Stone magazine attacks a rock and roll legend for not blindly going along with authority. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hey, 